I don't know much about computers, but I do know that sometimes you need to reboot. Uh, sometimes my computer just freezes up. Yeah, the cursor won't move, and I can't type anything, but yet I can hear lots of activity uh, happening inside the computer. I can hear something whirring around uh, like crazy. I can hear these little gremlins racing around inside uh, so much, apparently, that uh, their boots wear out, and that's why they call it, you know, a reboot. Uh, like I said, I don't know very much about computers, uh, but I do know this, and that is that... Uh, when my computer freezes, it's because I am overdue for a reboot. And what is true for computers is also true for our souls. And what is true for our souls is also true for our church. Uh, churches that don't reboot every once in a while end up in freeze mode. Uh, there can be lots of activity going around inside, but nothing is working. Churches that don't reboot once in a while can lose focus on their purpose and mission and become fuzzy about what is important, so much so they can either drift off to sleep or fight over silly disagreements or worse. So here at the beginning of 2013, I'd like us to reboot as a church by going back to what Jesus says about our purpose and our mission as a church. But this is not just for us as a church corporately. This is also an opportunity for you to update your personal software when it comes to following Jesus. So let's reboot around three messages, three reboot messages from Jesus to us as a church. And the first message comes to us from the last book in the Bible, where the risen Jesus sends seven letters to seven actual historic churches, just like Blackrock. Now, look what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. These are the words of him who walks among the seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches. I know your deeds, Jesus says, your hard work and your perseverance. I know where you live. But see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. So our reboot begins with remembering that Jesus cares deeply about every detail of life in his church. It's the most important thing on Jesus' heart, his church, including this church. Jesus is the opposite of apathetic. Jesus is constantly evaluating the extent to which we as a church are fulfilling the purpose and mission that he has given us. And I find it interesting that when Jesus evaluates a church, Jesus takes the regional context of the church into account. Now, Jesus summarizes this regional context consideration in these stunning words in Revelation, I know where you live. Did you catch that? Um, and then Jesus goes on, if you were to study uh, Revelation 2 and 3, uh, he, he goes on to say exactly what he means by making direct reference to three factors in each of these seven churches related to their regional context. Jesus refers to the 
personal resources of each church. He refers to the spiritual needs of each church. And he refers to the eternal opportunities of each church. For instance, under the personal resources category, Jesus says to one church, I know where you live, that you are poor and weak and afflicted. And then Jesus says to another church, I know where you live. You are rich and powerful and well-resourced. And then beyond personal resources, then Jesus also refers to the spiritual need of the region. Jesus will say, I know where you live. This is where Satan himself seems to dwell. And there is immorality and idols everywhere. And then finally, after referring to personal resources and the spiritual need of the region, Jesus summarizes the eternal opportunities of the church like in these powerful words, See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And this is where we need to start our reboot. We need to hear afresh Jesus saying to us, BlackRock, I know where you live. In terms of personal resources, Jesus says, you live in the wealthiest county, in the wealthiest state, in the wealthiest nation in the world. You live in an area that is worldwide known for its influence in media and trendsetting and fashion. You live in a region that is known for having the highest levels of education and health and income. And then beyond personal resources, Jesus knows the spiritual need of our regional context. And Jesus says, BlackRock, I know where you live. You live in a region of profound spiritual need and desperation. Uh, And I don't think there is anyone here that doubts uh, that this is true. But let me just put the spiritual need of our area into black and white. Uh, The Association of Religious Data has researched every state in our nation and has generated accurate spiritual profiles of each state. And you can go to uh, the online resource uh, Association of Religious Data archives, and when you do, you can look at uh, each state's Profile, including Connecticut's. And you see that Connecticut's profile is broken down like all the other states into seven categories uh, that reflect how our population responds to questions about God and church. Not surprising, not surprisingly, the second largest category in Connecticut reflects the high number of Catholics in our region. Over 40% of Connecticut populace claims to be Catholic. But surprisingly, Catholicism is not the biggest category in Connecticut. The biggest category at 50% of the population in our state is called unclaimed. 50% of the people in our state refer to themselves as unclaimed, unchurched, unattached when it comes to God, 50% unchurched. This means that one out of every two people you meet in Connecticut considers himself unclaimed. How many people here think that Jesus might want to claim some people in our state? But that's not all. 
Not only is, uh, is our state high in number of people who consider themselves unclaimed, but it is low when it comes to the number of people who consider themselves claimed, Christ followers. A researcher named George Barna has studied every state in our nation and published a ranking of all the states uh, by their per capita number of Christ followers. And you know what the uh, last state in the ranking in is with the lowest percentage of Christ-following people? Connecticut. And we're last by a long shot. And Jesus says, BlackRock, I know where you live. You live in a place of significant spiritual darkness and profound spiritual need. You live in a place where the vast majority are unclaimed, untouched, even unaware of my love, which is, of course, much more than just a matter of statistics. This is a matter of real people with real souls with real stories of emptiness about life without Jesus. And all of us were once in this category. We could go down row by row, and, uh, and the vast majority of us here could tell a story of how our lives were lost in guilt and pain until someone invited us to BlackRock and we met Jesus. We grew up in a very violent and unpredictable home. Uh, my dad had rage, these are just episodes of rage. It was very unpredictable and oftentimes it would come in the middle of the night and we'd wake up because he would just pull us out of bed by our feet and you'd wake up when you hit the floor. I believe that God was very angry with me. I didn't even want to go to church, and I just believed that there was no hope for me. There was no forgiveness. When I went to college, I kind of just stopped going to church. I didn't stop believing. I just really had a disconnect. It wasn't that you were running away. It was just kind of ambivalence. I didn't understand why God felt so far off. And I never really, I never heard anybody talking about God in any personal relationship kind of way. I, I don't think any of us ever comprehended that it would really end up being a in a, a divorce, I mean, or that he would never come back. The last two years have been an incredible struggle. Part of it was, I, I have to say, it definitely was being lost to God. Our marriage is over. My mother is never going to speak to my sister again. It's the whole world is falling apart. I was believing God. I just uh, didn't know what that meant. I knew, I knew about uh, religion. It was more of a, of a rule book and more of a... Uh, ethical way to live than it was a relationship. I didn't feel any calling to the church. I studied Buddhism for a short period of time. I studied Judaism. I had thought the Bible was something that had been written for uh, people long ago. I had never read the Bible. Most of Chinese people, we are like traditional and then we were taught not to believe in anything spiritual like believing things like material believing what you see i was in the midst of uh, going through a divorce i was my family was breaking up and uh, i needed some help there's there's disbelief for that denial um you work through that and there becomes anger and bitterness um fear great fear for what the future holds i was lost These are just a few of the voices of those who were lost before they uh, 
met Jesus here at Black Rock. And this is where we all begin. We begin life in the dark, stumbling around in confusion and separation from God. But then when we meet Jesus, he shines his love and forgiveness into our lives in a way that changes everything. And we're transformed. And this is what we are all about as a church. We are a place where Jesus shines with his transforming power. Do you notice the, uh, the book of Revelation symbol for the church? It's a lampstand. Uh, Jesus walks among the churches represented by lampstands. And in this reboot, and to reboot, we must reflect on our regional context and all the darkness that surrounds us and then respond by saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for putting us in such a dark place where your light is really needed. Thank you for opening a door, opening a door that no one can shut. Now help us, Jesus, to follow you through that open door of eternal opportunity. But we need to go beyond just recognizing the open door of eternal opportunity, and we must evaluate whether we are really walking through that door and we're really making an illuminating difference in our dark region. It's not enough just to talk about doing this. Jesus walks among the lampstands and evaluates deeds. Did you check out that word in uh, Revelation 2 and 3? Jesus checks out deeds and not just talk. And so what exactly is Jesus evaluating? Well, that leads us to the second reboot message uh, from Jesus, where the risen Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus told his followers to bring this message of his love to the ends of the earth and to start the process by reaching their neighbors in Jerusalem. And this is where Jesus wants you to start. This is where Jesus wants me to start. This is where Jesus wants our church to start, Black Rock to start, with reaching our neighbors. And this is what Jesus evaluates as he walks among the lampstands. To reboot, we must ask ourselves the question, in our regional context, are we shining in a way that is leading our neighbors to Jesus? We need to ask ourselves the simple question, are we accomplishing the mission Jesus gives us? Are we being an effective witness for Jesus where he has placed us in this strategic region? to Black Rock, you know, church. That's my first day, my first time ever being in the church. The people I met that night, they were really friendly to me. They were just showing, like, like kindness, you know, like, I just couldn't, like, understand why, you know, like, that first night, because I was, I was knowing nobody there, and there was nobody. Black Rock's impact is, is having a relationship with God, getting involved in a, in a church community, in a church family, I call it. 
fellowship is different than what I grew up to think, what I grew up and expected, and what my experience was. He was preaching about uh, how God loves you. And I felt like he was talking directly to me that this uh, gift of salvation is free and a gift isn't yours until you take it. I've been driving by Black Rock. We lived down the street for 10 years, so we know where it is. Something drew me. Thirst for something missing. I walked in the door to Black Rock. There was that feeling as if somebody had thrown a huge light switch up for me. We sat in prayer. Ben and Liz Chow sat in prayer for me? Somebody they'd never met before? Spiritual family is not anything that I have ever had in my life until I started going to Long Beach. In February, they started the divorce recovery workshop. It was a Sunday evening, and uh, I just happened to open the paper, and there was a tiny little blurb in there for this divorce recovery workshop. I needed something. I needed some guidance. And so through that, um, you know, BlackRock led me, you know, to really accept the Lord Jesus as my Savior. I love to worship. I love to worship, and I, I came and I just really was so touched by the worship. Through my association in the neighborhood uh, at Black Rock, I live right down the road, um, I heard about all well, this controversy of this new mega building being built you know, a couple of years ago. I said, I got nothing to lose. And the moment that I walked through those doors, it was like being hugged by God. Everyone knows of this church, and, and, and some way, some somewhere along the line, you know, this church has touched their lives in some way, shape, or form. We went to the Christmas show, and it was so incredible. I remember thinking, this is just, this is going to be what it's like in heaven. Like, this is so cool. I've been at Black Rock for 25 years. Whatever I do, wherever I go, you know, I know God is there. When I first became Christian, I just felt like, wow, you know, I'm a new person again. I'm, I'm forgiven. I can do so many things all over from the beginning. It's not easy to be a Christian, but I'm happy to be a Christian because I know there's a purpose why I'm here. When I first became a Christian, I, my initial response was I was so angry. Why hadn't anyone ever told me about this? Why didn't anyone ever tell me that I had this father and there was this love and there was this redemption? You have to tell people, what if there's someone out there who doesn't know? and it's available to them and they just no one's just taking the time to tell them I mean what a tragedy so is BlackRock fulfilling its mission yes we are fulfilling the mission and purpose that Jesus has given us as a church but we can't push the pause button we need to push the reboot button let's reboot let's recommit to reaching our neighbors with the love of Jesus. Let's recommit to the reason why we are here. And by that I mean here in Notre Dame. Uh, do you remember uh, why we're here? Uh, we're here because our old building was inadequate for advancing the mission that Jesus gave us to reach more of our Jerusalem. Our old children's area was antiquated, unattractive, and was woefully, woefully overcrowded. 
But today, we're in the process on Black Rock Turnpike of building a kids area that will be visually exciting, relationally secure, and will have lots and lots of room for reaching hundreds and hundreds of boys and girls with the life-changing love of Jesus. The same is true with our new youth areas and our adult ministry space. We're here at Notre Dame because we're committed to doing whatever we need to do in order to help more and more of our neighbors meet Jesus. But of course, buildings don't reach Jesus, uh, uh, don't reach lost people for Jesus. God's people uh, reach lost people. So let's reboot. Let's recommit to reaching our neighbors right now, not when our building is finished. Right now, invite your neighbors and co-workers to come with you here to Notre Dame. Uh, there are people in your life who will come with you here to Notre Dame who will not follow you to Black Rock Turnpike. So reach out now to your neighbors. And I know you're doing this already. Uh, we know that you're inviting your friends because we are growing here at Notre Dame. In fact, uh, we're growing so much that we're running out of parking. Uh, does this sound familiar? This seems to happen wherever we go. Uh, so here is something you can do to reach out to more of our Jerusalem. Uh, make room in our parking lot by parking uh, at Sacred Heart and walking across the street. It's a simple sacrifice you can do to give witness in our Jerusalem. But, of course, Jesus doesn't want us to stop in our Jerusalem. He calls us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And since this is Jesus' mission for us, we expect 100% participation among our people to either going uh, as a missionary with the, this good news of Jesus or supporting those of our number who do go through our faith promise pledges. Today, we have 30 BlackRock families scattered around the world sharing Jesus with those who would not otherwise hear of him, and we've promised to support them to, the, to a tune of over a million dollars. And uh, there are only two other churches in all of New England uh, who give over a million dollars to reach the world like Black Rock. But we need to reboot. We need to renew our commitment to both our neighbors and the nations. But here's something exciting when it comes to reaching the nations. You know that you can reach the nations right in your backyard. Uh, 50% of the University of Bridgeport's enrollment is international from 80 nations. And some years ago, uh, BlackRock started an international student outreach at the University of Bridgeport called Bridges. And Bridges revolves around a dinner on campus where we get a chance to meet and develop friendships with international students, including students uh, who have never met a Christ follower before uh, and never would at their home because the gospel is banned in their nation. What an open door! The next dinner is January 25th, and you can read about it in your bulletin. And uh, let's go on to one final rebooting message from Jesus. And this is from Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus replied, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus says that he is building his church, and hell is extremely nervous about that. Hell is afraid of the church. And yet so often we get it all backwards and we huddle together like scared victims. Meanwhile, hell's greatest fear is that BlackRock might someday wake up to its potential in Christ, its potential to shake the very gates of hell. We need to reboot our self-image. We need to reboot our thinking and overcome appearances and defeat hell. Every day, hell appears to be winning. Every time a little child is unwanted, unloved, uncared for, can't get a good education, hell seems to win. Every time a marriage begins with a man and a woman making a promise and then crashes and burns with family wreckage and divorce, hell seems to win. Every time racial differences divide, hell seems to win. Every time young people and old people mistrust each other, hell seems to win. Every time money gets idolized and selfishness reigns, hell seems to win. But Jesus calls BlackRock to overcome hell. Jesus calls us to be a church that crashes and bashes and tears down the gates of hell. And that is what we're doing in a lot of different ways here at BlackRock. For instance, that's what we're doing through Urban Impact, our ministry to the urban center of Bridgeport. I just heard about little six-year-old Scarlett and the fact that... uh, Uh, She's been left behind in uh, her uh, Bridgeport school, uh, and she's never received the help that she's needed. And now, while the rest of the class is uh, going way beyond, she still has not learned her alphabet. But because of the urban impact, because a black rocker tutored Scarlett, she will not struggle she, she was destined to struggle for the rest of her educational life. But the gates of hell were crashed down. We're crashing down the gates of hell through our marriage mentoring program uh, where we uh, come alongside marriages that are in trouble and marriage retreats that have healed uh, marriages and saved families by the scores and the scores. We're crashing down the gates of hell by the way we work together as one body of people across different ages and races and social backgrounds. We're crashing down the gates of hell geographically with Black Rock Long Ridge uh, and it's reaching out to the unchurched in the far southwestern corner of Connecticut. We're crashing down the gates of hellish selfishness by our generosity in giving. 
And I want to just uh, thank this uh, congregation for being so faithful in stewardship, being so faithful such that we are right on track when it comes with, uh, to our Lighthouse pledges. And uh, because of your generosity at the, uh, the end of uh, 2012, uh, we're also on track with, our, uh, with meeting our expenses uh, here at BlackRock. At the same time, I just want to challenge uh, those of you who are regular attenders, but you're not giving anything to God's work here at BlackRock. Listen, if you're in serious financial need, contact our Deacons Fund and let the church give give to you and help support you. But if you are a follower of Jesus and he's given you resources and you're not giving to Jesus' mission in the church, which is the closest thing to his heart, there is something wrong and you need to reboot. Decide now that in worship you're going to give regularly in 2013 and do it with a desire to participate in our church-wide effort to crash and bash the gates of hell. Because if Jesus gets his way, our transition period here at Notre Dame will not be a time to push the pause button. This is a time for us to be pushing the reboot button as a church. If Jesus gets his way, our period here at Notre Dame will be a time when BlackRock pushes even harder against the gates of hell, a time when BlackRock touches even more people, more men and women and boys and girls with the love of Jesus, a time when we are even more of us running through the open door that Jesus has set before us. And through that open door, God's dream for us as a church comes true. The dream that... We put hell out of business in our regional context, such that the divorce law offices shut down because our marriages in our region are so strong. Uh, The domestic abuse hotline is silent because our families are so full of love and peace. Crime goes down to zero, and the unclaimed become claimed by heaven at the millions. And people in our schools and at our workplace and in our neighborhoods are abuzz with interest in the things of God. This is not a dream of sleep. This is a dream of awakening. This is spiritual awakening. So let's reboot the dream, BlackRock. Let's reboot and crash down the gates of hell. Let's reboot and follow Jesus through that open door that no one can shut. Now, let's talk to Jesus. Jesus, we uh, hear your reboot message. Uh, We know that it is easy for us to lose focus. It's easy for us to to start being distracted and to think that uh, BlackRock exists for us and for uh, my personal needs and my personal desires. 
but you have rebooted uh, us in our thinking so that we can see once again that this church is your church. You are the head of it, and you have a mission for us. Thank you for bringing us back to that mission. And now, Lord, would you allow us to fulfill the dream that you have for us as a church, to not be satisfied with just okay, but be totally passionate about your dream for us, a dream of actually pushing harder on the gates of hell in our region in a way that will bring millions of unclaimed to you, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would use us as a church in a way that would glorify you and bring us to a whole new sense of the joy of being a part of your church, the dearest thing on your heart. We pray it in your name, Jesus, and for your glory. Amen. Amen.